And Heavenly Father, we, we come and applaud you because your great work to love us and, and care for us and rescue us, to save us from, from the domain of darkness and death through your Son, Jesus Christ. And so we come and, and simply say thank you for the work that you've done for us. And we bow now in, in just humble gratitude for your love for us in your Son, Jesus Christ. And I pray for, for your flock this morning. There's a lot of anxiety and fear and we're carrying a lot of pain. And so I pray you would meet with us through your spirit. Even as I just read Genesis 49, Father, I pray that you might take that anxiety, panic, fear, stress, and worry, that you'd allow us to focus on your son, Jesus, today. So Father, we look forward to that day when your son Jesus will come back and reign in perfection. We look forward to a world that has no death or mourning or crying or pain. But until that day, would you help us to shine as a light so that more and more people might be set free from this crazy world and find truth in Jesus. And so I pray you'd work this morning through your word for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Welcome. you're grabbing a seat, uh, let me start out. Happy Veterans Day to the veterans. Thank you for serving us and caring for us. Thanks for being a... Yeah, we, we dig freedom, dig freedom, and dig that y'all guys and gals are a great picture of the ultimate soldier, Jesus Christ, that laid his life down for us so that we might be free. So guest visitors, newcomers, first-timers, you've never been to Hillside before, this is your first time, so glad that you're here. Uh, we are excited that you're here in our hope and desire. I mean, all cards on the table, not even going to hold any of my Texas Hold'em cards back. I want you to know Jesus, fall in love with Jesus, submit your life, surrender to Jesus. I want you to know we're not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, we happen to think that Jesus changes everything. This world is a crazy, messed up mug, and Jesus is the only one that can bring sanity to it. So I'm going to try and convince you. We don't want your money. We're not going to take an offering, but I do want your mind because I want to convince you that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and when you submit your life to him, he'll change everything by beginning to change you from the inside out. So we are looking at the gospel in Genesis. We're in Genesis 49. Uh, we're, uh, have I told you how broken I am yet? My name's Dave. Uh, man, I'm five foot nine and three quarters, but my, why is that funny? I, I always wanted to be six feet, and they tell me if you put your arms like this, that's supposed to be how tall you are. All that does is mean my arms are four inches longer than they should be. I'm supposed to be six feet, never got there. Uh, man, all kinds of brokenness, but I have new life in Christ, and I just happen to be a recovering addict and alcoholic, saved by grace. So all of that is just to tell you, um, man, we love to gather together and experience Jesus together because we're all broken. So I don't care how broken you are. I don't care about your background. Jesus can meet you where you're at and grow you into who he longs for you to be. So with that, we're in Genesis 49. I'm going to read it to you, and you're going to wonder how in the world 
are we going to preach this? This is like a last will and testament. You ever read a will? Yeah, they're just not that exciting. So you're wondering how we're going to preach this, and so am I. So let's <laughs> enjoy it together. Watch this, Genesis 49. God says, Moses writes this. Uh, then Jacob summoned his sons, all, all of them together, and said, assemble yourselves that I may tell you what will befall you in the days to come. Uh, and gather together, and hear, O sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel, your father. Reuben, you're my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power. Uncontrolled as water, you shall not have preeminence because you went up to your father's bed. Then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. Verse 5, Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are implements of violence. Let my soul not enter into their council. Let not my glory be united with their assembly because in their great anger they slew men and in their self-will they lamed oxen. Cursed be their anger for it is fierce and their wrath for it's cruel and I'll disperse them among Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Judah, your brothers shall praise you and your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down to you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He crouches. He lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who dares rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. He ties his fold to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He washes his garments in wine and his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are dull from wine and his teeth are white from milk. Well, Zebulun will dwell at the seashore and he shall be a haven for ships and his flank shall be toward Sidon. Ishakar, well, he is a strong donkey lying down between the sheepfolds. When he saw that a, a resting place was good and that the land was pleasant, he bowed his shoulder to bear burdens and became a slave at forced labor. Well, Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent in the way, a horned snake in the path that bites the horse's heels so that his rider, fall, rider's, rider falls backward. For your salvation I wait, O Lord. As for Gad, raiders shall raid him, but he will raid at their heels. As for Asher, his food shall be rich, and he will yield royal dainties. Naphtali is a doe let loose, he gives beautiful words. Joseph is a, a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a, spring, it, by a spring. Its branches run over a wall. The archers bitterly attacked him and shot at him and harassed him. But his, his bow remained firm and his arms were agile. From the hands of the mighty one of Jacob, from there is the, the shepherd, the stone of Israel, from the God of your father who helps you and by the almighty who blesses you. With blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lie beneath, blessings of the breast and blessings of the womb, the blessings of your father have surpassed the blessings of my ancestors up to the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. May they be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of the one distinguished among his brothers. Well, Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning he devours the prey and in the evening he divides the spoil. All these are the 12 tribes of Israel. 
And this is what their father said to them when he blessed them. He blessed them, everyone, with the blessing appropriate to him. Then he charged them and said to them, I'm about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron, the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought along with the field from Ephron, the Hittite, for a burial site. There they buried Abraham and his wife Sarah. There they buried Isaac and his wife Rebekah. And there I buried Leah. The field and the cave that is in it, purchased from the sons of Heth. Well, when Jacob finished charging his sons, he drew his feet into the bed and he breathed his last and was gathered to his people. So there you have it, six minutes. I, I, I gave it all to you. That's Genesis chapter 49. And now you wonder, what in the world do you do with that? You went through Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan, Gaddish, Car. It was the last will and testament. Then Jacob dies. We've been walking through Genesis. I know some of you, you're here for the first time. In Genesis, we're looking at the truth that God is writing and directing a story. He's actually inviting you to be part of his story. In modern Christendom, we invite God to be part of our story. God says, no, 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 no. Your stories are too small. Like, that's great. You want a new house, new car, new clothes. You want to lose some weight. You're asking me to bless you. I'm asking you to join my story because his story is eternal. It's infinite. But there are some things you need to know about his story. And so to jump into Genesis 49, I'm going to walk you through some of the truths of God's story. So hopefully we can track together. Now, if you read straight through the whole story, Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, that is the whole Bible, one of the truths you would walk away from the Bible is this. God is the God of truth. Truth matters to God. In fact, God is the source of all truth. God corresponds to reality as reality really is. Therefore, when he speaks, he speaks from a, a, a perspective of reality and truth. And in truth, God gives us some tough, tough truth. He starts out with this tough truth. Genesis chapter uh, 3. Actually, Genesis 2. God said you can eat of any tree in the garden, but of the tree in, uh, of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat of it you shall surely what? Okay, we're together. He says, hey, if you make this choice, there's going to be a consequence, right? And it's a big, it's a super duper consequence. It's a huge one. Now, you're free to make choices. You're not free, however, to make consequences, consequence just comes from the Latin, with sequence. The consequence is always going to follow your choice. God gives you a choice. He's a God of truth and says, you're free to choose, but you're not free to choose the consequence. Now, how are we going to preach 49? Let me tell you, when I take Genesis 49 and I overlap it over our culture in America, do you know that over the last 20, 30 years, secular humanism has been rising? It's actually the fastest growing religion in America. If you look at federal papers and court decisions, secular humanism is a religion. Describes where you came. Now, for the secular humanists who are here, they would say, no, it's not. I'm just quoting the courts. Federal, local, state. They say it is. In that, the Bible has made it very clear. You're free to make choices, but you can't live without your creator. Trying to live without your creator will bring death. You're free to make choices, but you can't live without your creator or consequences. 
you happen to have spent a lot of time and grown up in a world that says you can, here's secular humanism. If I take secular humanism, postmodernism, moral relativism, undergirded by a scientific method called naturalism, if I take all of that, put it into a little wet towel and wring it out, secular humanism has convinced you and your kids you can live without a creator and you can live without consequences. And when you do that, you get chaos. You get all kinds of crazy. I know all you old folks are like, how did we end up in this mess in America? Well, it's living life without a creator and life without consequences when you just keep kicking it down the road and saying, I can do whatever I want. There are no consequences. You see, that has taken over our nation. What I'm going to show you today, you really are. I, let me put it on me. I'm free to make choices. You're free to make choices. You're free to make choices. You're not free to make consequences. And those consequences, God's so brilliant. He's epically brilliant. He has woven consequences into the very fabric of science. Newton's third law of motion. To every action, there is the opposite and equal reaction. You're free to make choice. I'm so happy you're here. Even people who disagree with me and hate me, I am happy you're here. I love to reason with you. You're free to make choices, but God has put it into reality in such a way that those choices are going to bring consequences. And we're going to see today through Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan, Gad, Ishakar, Zebulun, Naphtali, uh, Asher, Joseph, Benjamin. Not all consequences are created equal. Do you know that? And if you think you can live life without consequences, you got another thing coming, and I want to love you well and say, you can't escape consequences. Now, consequences are odd because they're like jelly bellies. Uh, they, genuinely, they are. Living in an upside-down world, you never know what you're going to get. It, this is a Forrest Gump world. Like, it's like a box of chocolate. You never know. Even when you do good and you try and love someone, we've got this colloquial phrase, no good deed goes. So sometimes life consequences are like jelly bellies. You, ne you get one, oh no. Yeah. No, I love licorice. This is the buttered popcorn. Yeah, it tastes like earwax. No, it's horrible. I think in 2018, it was the most popular flavor. 2018 was a weird year, though, amen? I mean, anything could happen. I'm not even going to eat that. That's horrible. Consequently, you don't know what you're going to get, and you need to understand. As I walk through this, I've got 17 minutes. I'm going to tell you three ways I drew this lesson plan up, the sermon up, and I had to throw it away. And I've come down to one way I'm going to preach it, but here's why. Typically in church, we'll go through this and what I could easily do is say, okay, here are the virtues that this person showed. Follow the virtues. Here are the vices that this person followed that ruined their life. Flee from the vices. So I would tell you, uh, follow the virtues, the good things, and flee the vices. Is that good advice? How are we? We're divided on that. Maybe I should preach this sermon. <laughs> I think it's a good idea to flee vices. I do. I, I think stupid leads to more stupid, and we should avoid stupid. Amen? Okay, we're on the same page. Uh, 
So I think we should follow virtue and love one another deeply. I think we should flee vices and stop stupid. Stop as much stupid as we could stop. I think that's good advice. The problem is, do you know that you can flee vices and stop a lot of stupid and you can follow virtues and still end up missing the gospel and end up falling victim to religion? Like, that's exactly where religion comes from. Flee vices. Get away. Don't do it. How many of you grew up? Don't smoke, chew, chew, or don't, don't smoke or chew. Do gr- oh, or go with girls that do. Do girls chew? In Texas. Oh, no. Oh, we went there. Oh, I'm so sorry. And, and so you can still, this is, listen, we look at America, we're like, oh, it's going so bad, everything's wrong, people are leaving the church in droves and flocks. It's because we spent the last 40 years saying, flee vices, follow virtues, be good people, and we've missed the gospel. As much as I flee vices, guess what? I've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and even when I try and stop stupid in me, guess what I end up doing? Stupid. And you can say, well, stupid is as stupid does. Forrest Gump said it, and it's true. And you know it too. You've got a lot of stupid in you. So we, we focus on other people's stupid. Where they're more stupid, they're the, they're the stupidest, stupider, stupidies <laughs> around. Like they're so stupid, I don't even know how to describe their stupidity. And then you get America pointing fingers at everybody else instead of looking in a mirror. Today I'm, I'm going to show you God lovingly put consequences into this world so that I, when I taste the consequence, I can look in the mirror and say, Lord, would you help me stop stupid inside? And would you give me grace through the gospel to stop stupid through the indwelling life of Christ? And I'll show you how he does this. Let's start out verses one and two. I got 15 minutes. I'll probably take 25 Watch where it starts, and here's what you need to know. Uh, chapter 49, verses 1 and 2, and I'm going to jump over to verse 28 as well. You need to write down by verses 1 and 2 and 28, consequences are kind, K-I-N-D. I'm going to say this three or four times because America is so messed up on this. We're so codependent. We withhold consequences because... We just don't like to see people hurt. I want you to know that consequences are kind. Consequences are caring. Consequences are loving. God has put consequences into the fabric of the universe because consequences are a good gift to stop stupid. It is cruel to withhold consequences. Consequences are kind and a good gift. Let me show you biblically. Jacob, he's about to drop it like it's hot. This is such an uncomfortable meeting. He just got done in chapter 48 meeting with Joseph. Spent a lot of time with Joseph. Then he calls all the boys together. Super duper awkward for the last, the the reading of the last will and testament by the writer of the last will and testament. Jacob summoned his son, said, assemble yourselves that I may tell you what may befall in the days to come. Is Jacob prophesying? I would tell you, he's just Babe Ruthing it and calling a shot because he's a dad who knows his kid. Anybody watch their kids and say, that one's probably going to jail. (laughs) 
on a, I don't even mean that as a joke. As a parent, you watch kids and you're like, oh, wow. He's a lot like me. He's going to need three to four years behind just to figure it out. This is true. Jacob, has, he's 147. He's watched his kids and he's just going to look at them and say, here's where your life is going. I'm going to tell you this. In all genuineness, friends, life is not that much of a mystery. It's not. Sin plays out the same every single time. I make decisions. Dave Tooker, I make a decision. That decision will determine my direction, and that direction determines my destination. It's not a mystery unless you're unwilling to look at reality and truth as reality and truth really is. If you want to blame other people, you'll never change. So Jacob just looks at his sons. He says, I'm going to tell you what's going to come. Watch verse 2. Gather together and hear, O sons of Jacob. Listen to Israel, your father. Verse 28. Watch this. All these. This is at the very end when he finished blesses them all. I'm going to need you to, with your outdoor Texas voices, uh, uh, finish this sentence for me. All these are the 12 tribes of Israel, and this is what their father said to them when he Good. He blessed them. Now, just so you know that consequences are a good gift, they're kind, they're a blessing, Moses puts it in again. He blessed them, everyone with the appropriate to them. He uses it three times. So whatever you do with Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan, Gaddish, Garzebulon, Naphtali, Asher, Joseph, and Benjamin, this is a blessing and a good gift to be aligned with reality and truth. So if you have a friend that will speak truth into your life, hard truth, difficult truth, real truth in line with reality as reality really is, if you've got people in your life that will allow consequences to come in to stop stupid and help change you, they are a blessing. Now, let's watch some of the consequences. 11 minutes left. I'll probably take 25. Again, I'm just, just calling the shot. If you've got reservations, you can go. But this is the third service. This is fun. And I figure you come to the third because it's the third. That's what I figure. I could be wrong. And the consequences may be that, I, that a lot of you leave. <laughs> and that's okay. I will deal with those consequences. It means more parking for other people. Watch this. Watch, uh, watch verse three and four. Really uncomfortable. Imagine being Reuben. Your dad just called you in. Now, before I read verse three and four, you've got to remember Genesis chapter 35, verse 22. Because in Genesis chapter 35, verse 22, something happens and it almost gets passed over. If you're not reading carefully, in Genesis 35, 22, Reuben and Bilhah take a walk and carve Reuben plus Bilhah in a tree just to keep it PG for kids. You following me? That's his mother-in-law. That's his dad's third or fourth wife. It's, it's Bilhah. And Reuben is intimate with her. Now, it's been decades. Reuben thinks he gets away with it. He literally, it just showed up in one verse. Well, we don't talk about it at family meals anymore. Yeah, there's some tension and it's awkward. We don't bring it up. So Reuben's like, dad's over it. It's okay. Verse 3. Reuben, you're my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength. Preeminent in dignity, preeminent in power. Reuben's probably feeling good right now. Things are going well for me. Dad forgot. 
You are as uncontrolled as water, bro. You shall not have preeminence because you went up to your father's bed. Then you defiled it. Pause. He went up to my couch. Here's what you need to know. Not all consequences are created equal because not all stupid is the same type of stupid. Amen? There is special kinds of stupid. You need to know that some consequences, I put it this, some consequences has a, have a long shelf life. There is some consequences for some sin that will ruin the rest of your life the rest of your family's life, the rest of your kids' lives, your grandkids' lives, and it will pass down. There's a special kind of stupid that believes there's no consequence for sin. Reuben was controlled by lust. And in America, many of us play with lust like it's no big deal. What's the biggest thing that could happen? Consequences probably aren't that bad. You need to know that some stupid is a special kind of stupid that will ruin your family for the rest of your life. You need to know that from the tribe of Reuben, it's horrific. There is no judge, there is no prophet, there is no priest, there is no king that ever comes from the line of Reuben. It's finished right here. Reuben's done. Now, is there grace? Absolutely. Absolutely. With a little bit of humility and repentance, but Reuben was controlled by it. Reuben never dealt with it. God will give you grace to deal with it. But there's a special kind of stupid. That, I would write this down. Some consequences are like freeze-dried food. They've got a super-duper long shelf life. You just need to know that. I want you dudes to know that. Those of you who are thinking about messing around on your spouse and you don't think there will be any consequences, stop stupid today. Stop. You can you can repent, you can confess it, you can stop stupid, and it will change your family. It will change your marriage. So not all consequences are created equal. Now watch this. Watch, watch Simeon and Levi. Pull up the next one. Verse 5 and 6. Uh, some consequences have a huge splash zone that don't just include you. I wish we, could, we had special containment units to keep stupid contained. Amen. Like if in America we could just be like containment unit, whoosh, like Star Trek, and we could just contain stupid so that you got to taste your own stupid. How wonderful would that be? It's like, well, you want to be stupid, be stupid, but taste your own stupid. Like let you have your own consequences. But what happens is when you're connected in a nation, in a state, in a community, we often, we often have to taste other people's stupid, don't we? Watch this. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are implements of violence. Verse 6, let not my soul enter into their counsel. Let not my glory be united with their assembly. Do you remember back in Genesis chapter 34? Some Shechemites violated Dinah, Levi and Simeon's sister. Then they, they wanted to marry her. So Levi and Simeon were hotheads. They had a lot of internal anger. You ever known somebody controlled by anger? See, they can, you can contain it for a while, but when it goes, it goes like Mount Vesuvius. I mean, it's just over the top. So everybody walks on eggshells around them. So Simeon and Levi, when they heard that their sister had been violated by these Shechemites, they went to him and said, if you want to be part of our family, uh, circumcise yourselves. Everybody, the whole town, the whole town circumcised themselves. 
Then the third day, when they were in the most pain, Simeon and Levi went in and they murdered every single man in that city. Then they captured every single woman and took every single child captive. And then on their way out, they hamstrung every single ox, donkey, sheep, goat, and they left it a bloody mess. You need to know, some of us, some of us never learned to deal with internal anger. See, anger is a secondary emotion that covers up the weaker, more vulnerable parts of your heart. And so some of you never learned, so you just, everything is protected by anger. You shout people down. You are Levi and Simeon. When it blows, it blows hot. You know who you are because you're a hothead and it just comes out. You need to know that some consequences have a huge splash zone and they come out on innocent people. Some consequences really are like Shamu's splash zone. When it comes out, everyone around you pays the price. Now, there's grace. God changes Levi's stars. Levi ends up being a priest. A priest in the temple, a priest in the cities. God can change your heart if you would repent today. But some, of, some consequences will kill, kill your family. See, anger is like poison that kills the soul. When you blow up, you blow up on your family, it, it creates death inside of them. Watch what comes next. Now we got Levi, Simeon, Judah. Do you know there are good consequences? I want to praise you today. Even coming to church, do you know there are good consequences? Well done. Not all consequences in life are bad consequences. You don't know that. I, I need to lean into this a little bit more. My, my son drove home with me last night and we talked about this because after the sermon, he said, are all consequences bad consequences? Are all consequences punishment? I said, no, some consequences are good consequences. You wake up early, you go work out, you burn calories, you're in calorie deficit and, and you're probably in shape. Those are good consequences for decisions. Judah, Judah faces good consequences. Watch this. Judah, your brothers, verse eight, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemy. Your father's sons shall bow down to you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From Judah comes Jesus. Jesus is born from the tribe of Judah. Watch this. Quick question, uh, pop quiz. Was Judah a good dude? No, thank you. Dennis is, a, he's like, no, dude's a scumbag. Well, you didn't say that. I put those words into his, let me say it. He's a sleazebag. Dude's a dirty sleazebag. He didn't treat his daughter-in-law Tamar right. Then because he loved to visit ladies of the night, he impregnated his, his daughter-in-law Tamar. Then he lied about it, but she got his, his driver's license and passport, didn't she? Because she was a smart gal. She's like, this guy's a scumbag. He's going to be like, not mine, killer. And you know what he said? Not mine, killer. But she's like, oh, but whoever's a driver's license and passport this is, this is the father. Do you remember what Judah said? She is more righteous than I. He actually humbled himself and said, busted. He took the consequences. He actually, the truth came, the light came, and he changed. This is what consequences are there for. When consequences come, you change. Have I ever told you about the time I got a ticket going to pay a ticket? 
I have. I got so many tickets in Texas. I was so mad at the police. My wife's here, she'll tell you. Like, I got anxious around cops because I just thought they were all out to get me. Like, I'm minding my own business, I'm doing my own thing, and they'll give me tickets. Ticket for this, ticket for that. Ticket going to pay for a ticket. It's out of control. I finally got a ticket in Texas. The state of Texas, as an entity, wrote me a letter. This is Texas. We're going to take your license because you don't deserve to drive because you're stupid. (laughs) Not their words, my words. It's how I interpreted it. And the truth came and something finally happened inside of me for years, for decades, because I had authority issues. When the truth came, I changed the truth. Cops are stupid. They're just out to get me. That day the truth came and I said, I need to deal with reality. I'm always speeding because I'm always late, because I say yes to too much, because I'm a people pleaser and I want everybody to like me, so I can't say no, so I say yes, so I speed everywhere I go. I should probably deal with my heart issue of idolatry, so I stop speeding. You see, but for years I just said cops are stupid. It's a policeman's fault. When you finally look at, when the light comes and you're willing to look at the truth, consequences can bring change if you're willing to look at reality. Judah looked at reality. Now watch what comes next. This is incredible. Some consequences are absolutely uh, uh, unintended. Anybody ever take a sociology class? With a lot of laws we pass in America, there's a lot of unintended consequences. It's a whole area of study. When, When you make a choice, oftentimes there's unintended consequences. Um, Watch this. I'll start with 13. Zebulun, then we'll go Zebulun, uh, Asher, Naphtali, 20 and 21. Start with 13. Zebulun will dwell at the seashore and he shall be a haven for ships and his flank shall be toward Sidon. What, is it, what, is it, what does it mean? I don't know. <laughs> what? Oh, you expected for me to be like, oh, well, Listen, if I had another an hour and a half, I would jump forward to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and show you Zebulun, Zebulun, Zebulun ends up getting this region called Galilee, and one of the towns in there was actually uh, uh, Nazareth. But I'm guessing in Zebulun's mind, he had already heard about Reuben, Simeon, and Levi, and he's thinking, you know what, I'll, I'll take Porte. That's good. <laughs> Dad, just stop talking. Like, I'm down. Like, this is... Yeah, have a good day, Reuben. I'm going to go with my coastal view. Remember, I'm unintended consequences. Watch this. Go to verse 20. As for Asher, his food shall be rich and he will yield royal dainties. Apparently, Asher liked to cook and, and he had fruitful land and he was like, I, I like to bake. I like to make macaroons and I'm going to m- make dainties. I bet after Reuben, Simeon, and Levi, he was like, dainties are good. I'll do dainties and doilies all day long. <laughs> now watch 21. So that's Zebulun, Asher. Naphtali is a doe let loose. He gives beautiful words. Apparently he liked poetry. He liked to write. And his dad was like, you're good at writing. Son, you go write. Here's what I want to show you about unintended consequences. Even with good blessings and good truth, dainties and doilies and writing and seashores. 
watch this, oftentimes in life we make small decisions not knowing the huge impact and consequence of those decisions. I want to jump forward several hundred years to Judges chapter 1, verses uh, 30, 31, and 33. Watch what happens here. 31, Zebulun did not drive out the inhabitants of Kitron. Doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Just let the inhabitants stay. We don't want to go to war with them. Go to 31. Asher did not drive out the inhabitants of Acho. Is Acho that big of a deal? I don't know. It's going to take a lot of energy to drive them out. If I do battle against sin, it's going to exhaust me. I'm not sure I want to be exhausted. Go to 33. Naphtali did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh or the inhabitants of Beth Anoth. We make little decisions, friends, about which sins will allow to stay, don't we? That's a big one. I should probably fight that. That's a special kind of stupid. That's a little one. I'm not sure it's that big of a deal. These are what I call unintended consequence because if I take you to the end of Zebulun, Asher, and Naphtali, they're carried away in captivity because of these sins. Sin Sin is not static. It's dynamic. It's always growing in you. It has its sights on me. My addiction is always in the gym working out, waiting for that day it can take me over. And it does the same with you, but it creeps up on you. It's sneaky. Some consequences are sneaky. Have you ever gone to SeaWorld and you walk? They've got whole booths in SeaWorld. And you walk by these booths and there will be people and they'll be dressed nice and they'll say, hey, you want a free vacation? Okay, everybody's denying this has ever happened to them, but watch what I'm about to do. I'm about to drop it like it's hot. How many of you have ever ended up in a timeshare presentation? Yeah, it always starts. See, this is a sneaky consequence. Do you want a free vacation? Of course, who doesn't? It's not that big of a deal. How bad could it be? Yeah, you'll just sit in a small, short, really nice timeshare presentation. You get in there and you're, they lock the doors, amen? And you get this high-pressured salesman, you know, who lives in a van down by the river who's just giving you the what for until you end up signing. And you don't even have an extra 10 grand a year to spend on vacation. You wish you could go on a vacation for 10 grand. Now you're spending 10 grand a year. And they write those contracts. You can get, you can get out of marriage 100 times easier than you can out of a timeshare contract. Unintended consequences if you knew what it was going to cost you as soon as that person walked up and said hey do you want a free vacation you could say you're a special kind of stupid no <laughs> no <laughs> no and now you will hopefully Zebulun Asher Naphtali see their consequence was an unintended consequence they didn't want to be carried away in captivity six minutes over I'll give you one more just for fun uh, oh, watch this one. Well, maybe two more. But if you got it, listen, 5DE, your kid needs you. That's been up there. We're at like three and a half, four minutes. Your poor kid. Like somebody's a, nobody's going to get your kid for you. You realize that. Like, <laughs> I, I've been looking at it for a while. I'm like, uh, I don't mean to shame or guilt anybody, but this is legit, yo. 
All right. I might need a jelly belly. Listen, you gotta, we got to talk about parenting a little bit. No, I know. You don't get much time off. This is your time just to be. You're like, nah, he'll be all right. He'll be all right. Let them deal with it. Amen. Watch verse 16. Some consequences are confusing because I'm consequences where you're you're legitimately convinced that you're making the right decision. You're legitimately convinced this is the right thing to do. But even in the right thing to do, you can you can go wonky. Watch Dan. I wish I had about 12 hours, and I wish this was a men's retreat. I'd walk you through this. It's astounding. Clear up to Judges 18, and then clear through to 2 Kings 17 and 25. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Verse 17. Dan shall be a serpent in the way, a horned snake in the path that bites the horse's heels so that his rider fall backward. I love Dan. Dan would be American military. Dan would be LEO, law enforcement officer. Dan would be DEA, FBI, CIA, NSA. He would be the one that was protecting us. And I'll tell you this. I want a strong military. I want a strong military that blows stuff up, breaks stuff, and makes everybody afraid so nobody messes with America. Okay. I And I like the fact that 72% of you pack heat. Now, I know that. You think, oh, Dave's so kind. He's just hugging. He's a hugger. He hugs, hugs. I'm patting you down, bro. You know, (laughs) legitimately. And some of you are like, "Uh, man, I had a guy come to me yesterday. Man, that's not not a gun. Those are my extra clips. (laughs) Like, legitimately. Some of you pack double. You're like Laura Croft up in this mug. You know, you got, it's like, hey, we're going to church. Apparently high danger, high danger zone. And I dig it. I dig it. I dig it. I, the freedom in America. I, I may or may not be packing heat. No, that, that was less funny. It's like, man, it's okay if we're crazy, but when the pastor's crazy, ah. To my friends in Europe who are in Canada, it's just a Texas thing. I get it. We're not all crazy. It's just we love a strong military, strong law enforcement. We're behind it, and we like the freedom to carry guns. And there's a thin line in danger that we walk in that. Dan was a protector, and I love it. In any room, I can tell you where my protectors are at. I watch them. They watch my six. I love it because people do stupid things. In America, though, what happened... Well, let me walk you through the story of Dan because I call it the the prepper parable. And don't raise your hand if you're a prepper because I I don't want to give away where your secret stash of freeze-dried food and and dehydrated berries are. (laughs) Do you know as you're prepping, there is no end to your prepping? The more you prep, the more you prep. And the more you prep the more you have to prep, and the deeper you get into that. We were watching, I was watching a show. I don't know if I was watching it with my wife or not. They would actually have people come in and test your preps. They gave everybody like 65%. Like, and they, these people were legit preppers. Well, you're 65%. Your water supply is not good. And then 
there's no way you can prep and it will take you further and further and further. And it happened to Dan. As he was caring for his people, he became idolatrous. Judges 18, he goes in and he takes all Micah's idols. And they weren't just idols. They were idols to protect Israel. They were going to protect his people. It was just the next step. He had prepped. He had prepped. He had prepped. He had guns, Laura Croft-style guns. He was a strong military leader. And it led him off the edge. You see, some consequences are confusing because you think you're helping. I'm just helping my family. Just a little bit more, a little bit more. It comes to idolatry. Here's the thin line. I love that you have guns. I do. I've seen some of your, your gun safes. You got 50 caliber sniper rifles. Who does that? You can shoot people from over a mile away. In the zombie apocalypse, I'm coming to your place. Right? You're picking on, you live in Blanco, picking off people in San Antonio. <laughs> Dig it. And your heart can slowly put your faith in your guns instead of your God. Some trust in horses, others in chariots. Those are military, those are military symbols in the Bible. But we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Buy your guns. Buy them. Have fun with them. Polish them and put your faith in Jesus Christ. Because that nation that trusts in its guns and its military over its God is done for. It's gone. One more. No, 12 minutes over. I can't. But I will. Gad, go verse 19. Watch this just for fun. Because somebody went and picked up their kid. So now it's free time. We get to play. Watch. Uh, go, go 19. Try 19. Watch it. And this is just for the young ladies. As for Gad, raiders shall raid him, but he will raid at their heels. What do you do with Gad? I don't know. Again, we don't even know why, why Gad got wiped out. Read through. Write down 1 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 22, 23. No, 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 no. Verse 11 through 22. I would go 1 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 11 through 22. It appears as though Gad got wiped out just because he was running with an idiot. Yeah, he hung out with stupid and stupid happened to him. Literally, the half-tribe of Manasseh started worshiping other gods. They played the harlot, ran after other gods. And so God was like, uh, no more, I've got to take you out. But along with, uh, along with the half-tribe of Manasseh, he took out the Reubenites and the Gadites. So what happened to Gad? He had stupid friends, but the friends of fools will come to ruin. Some of you are running with fools like, well... That's just Uncle Timmy. Uncle Timmy's an idiot. Yeah, if you run with Uncle Timmy, though, you're going to end up in lockup. There's even Texas law, the law of parties. You're around them. You're responsible. You're like, well, they'll change. No, you're, they're changing you, and you don't even realize it. Sweet baby girl, you're dating him. Ah, he'll change. No, he's going to get more stupid. Like, that's what stupid does. And he's changing you. And you're being like, well, he'll be all right later. No, he won't. And you're going you're gonna to hitch your trailer to this crazy Jehu. That's a guy who drove crazy in the Bible. Look it up. You're going to hitch your trailer to this guy. And you need somebody to love you and tell you, no, a companion of fools will come to ruin. Man, but somebody who hangs out with wise will become wise. Now, all right, it's 11.58. I really am going to land the plane right now. It's time. I'm tired. So all of that is how I preached it. 
Choices have consequences. And we would all say, yes. And I would tell you this is actually bad news. If you're anything like me, you've made a lot of bad decisions. And you know that there is a pile of consequences coming. I mean, AA-style train wreck of circumstances, consequences. It's unintended consequences, unseen consequences, large consequences. I've got consequences galore. And the fact that choices have consequences isn't helpful for people like me who are the chief and form foremost of all sinners. The fact that choices have consequences crush me and should crush you too because you've made bad decisions even today and yesterday. And I'm 47, I've made a lot of bad decisions. So what's the good news in this? You see, I could preach flee vices, follow virtues, a lot of these guys made good decisions. They really did. They repented. Do you know by 2 Kings 17 and 2 Kings 25, God carries off all 12 tribes, Reuben, Simon, Levi, Judah, Dan, Gadid, they're all gone. They're all gone. So for us, for all of us who have fallen short of the glory of God, all of us who have sinned, anybody here sinned? What's the hope for us? Is there any hope? Yes, there is one who came. God has lovingly, kindly, benevolently, benevolently put consequences in place so that every day when consequences come, I'm reminded, man, eternity is coming and that's an eternal consequence. I better find an answer for my consequences before I get to eternity, amen? Amen. Praise God that Jesus Christ came, lived a life without sin, was crucified, and took all of the consequences for all of my stupidity, all of my shame, all of my guilt. He nailed it to the cross, and he eternally paid all of my consequences so that I don't have to pay for my consequences for all eternity. I wonder, has he paid for your consequences? You see... These stories are in here for our benefit. All we like sheep have gone astray. Life isn't about simply fleeing vices and following virtue. It's about knowing the victory of Jesus Christ who will take all of the consequences. He will be crushed for you, condemned for you so that you might be cleansed, cleaned, and called a child of God. Let's sing to him now. Let's worship him together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the time you've given us. Just to look at your scripture, it's so good. Thank you that we can laugh together. Thank you that we can cry together. Thank you that we can look at truth together. And thank you that we're not crushed because of the reality of consequences. Because Jesus, you were crushed for us. And so I pray this morning, even as we sing to you, Father, would you be glorified? Would you be pleased? Jesus, would you do a work in our hearts to set us free from the reality of sin and shame? Would you set us free to worship you now? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.